Praise the Lord. If you brought a Bible, I'm going to invite you to go with me to two parts of Scripture, two portions of Scripture, beginning in Luke chapter 18. We're going to read verse 17, and then we're going to go to Romans chapter 4. As we conclude our sermon series on earth as it is in heaven. Luke chapter 18, verse 17, and Romans chapter 4, as you find that. Have you found that yet? Got it? If you don't have a Bible, we'll have it up here on the screen for you, or you can look on your digital de- device there. It's Thanksgiving week. Aren't you grateful? God has been good to us, hasn't he? Luke chapter 18, verse 17, Truly I say to you, whoever does not receive the kingdom of God like a child will not enter it at all. I want to read that again. Truly I say to you, whoever does not receive the kingdom of God like a child will not enter it at all. Now Romans chapter 4, and we'll begin at verse 19. Without becoming weak in faith, he contemplated his own body, now as good as dead. Since he was about a hundred years old, and the deadness of Sarah's womb. Yet with respect to the promise of God, he did not waver in unbelief, yet grew strong in faith, giving glory to God, and being fully assured that God had promised he was also able to perform. Therefore, it was also credited to him as righteousness. Father, we thank you this morning for your word, and we thank you for the power of the word. I pray that you would come by the Spirit and anoint my lips of clay to preach the word of the living God. And I pray that you would anoint the hearing of this congregation, that as they hear the word, they might receive it as seed sown into the fertile soil of their hearts. I ask that in Jesus' name, the church said amen. Amen. You may be seated this morning. I want to share with you a simple subject. It's a little unlike most of my subjects, but I want to share with you a simple subject called an old man with young faith. Can you say that with me? An old man with young faith. Now, I know there are no old people here, so this is not going to relate to everybody. But um, I want to talk about the father of the faith, about Abraham. Abraham was called by God to an extraordinary cause. Out of this man and his wife would come the nation of Israel that we know today. The Jewish people who are all over the world would be the result of the faith and obedience of one man called Abraham. And if there is any example for us of heaven on earth, And this answer to the prayer of Jesus that he prayed and he taught us to pray that it would be God's will done on heaven as it is, on earth as it is in heaven. Then Abraham and the nation of Israel 
are a perfect example of that faith. And so I want to teach you this morning a little bit about how to receive from God. How many of you would like to receive from God? How many of you have received something from the Lord? Well, there are some principles in the Word that uh, instruct us on how to receive from God. And Abraham is going to be our model today. And I call the subject of the message an old man with a young faith because God called Abraham not when he was 17, not when he was 37, not even when he was 50. But God called Abraham when he was 75 years old. It's kind of late to be getting started out in the ministry, don't you think? It's a little late to be getting uh, your life disorganized and going on a new adventure of faith. But that is precisely what happened in the life of Abraham. He was called by God at an older age. He already had established his life. He'd already established the things that he would do and be and the ways that he would live. And Sarah, his wife, they were an older couple. They were happy. They were stable. They were satisfied. And God comes and brings discomfort and he brings a movement and he brings shifting into their life. And I believe that God speaks to us as a church and he speaks to each individual family and church and family member individually this morning. Uh, and some of us prophetically. And he says to us that he is calling us to come out of our place of comfort. To go on an adventure of faith with God. He's calling us as a church to take steps that are bolder than the steps we have taken before. To go places that we have not gone. I fully believe that some of you are comfortable and established in your, in your life. And you have reached a point where you are satisfied with where you are. That God is going to stir the nest again. That He is going to move you into areas of ministry and impact for the kingdom of God. Such as you have not yet dreamed or understood. And so while you may not understand it now, just receive that word by faith Kingsway is a church that is on the move. I said Kingsway is a church that is on the move. We cannot stay where we are. The Lord told us last year that this year, 2016, would be a year of stability. A year when he would bring things into our life that we had been waiting for. He would bring a, a beginning of a, of a, of a, a calm or a stability in some of our finances, in some of our uh, home life, in some of our church life. But that year of stability, friends, has been given to us in order to move us into a new place of effectiveness for the kingdom of God. I want to share with you a dream before I get into the message that the Lord gave me this week. I believe it was from the Lord. In the dream, I came into a, a building. It was, it seemed like maybe it was, it was a house, but it was a very large house. The room I was in was about this size, but it wasn't the church necessarily. And when I came into the room, it was filled to the walls with refugees. People from all walks of life who were battered and torn and, and in great need and in great crisis. And uh, the staff member that was there, I don't 
don't know who they were, so they're going to be coming later, I guess. Uh, they said to me, Pastor, what do we do? We, we need uh, to decide if we're going to help these people or send them away. And I, it was a very brief glimpse, a very brief dream, but I believe it was from the Lord. And the answer that I gave was, we will take them. If no one else will take them, we will take them. I don't know who God is going to send to us, but I can tell you this, Beville, we will take them. We will take the broken and the abused, the battered and the forgotten. Come on, somebody, if you will receive them, shout hallelujah. We will take them. Maybe the world has rejected them. Maybe the world has said no. Maybe even other churches and other members of the body of Christ have said we can't help them. But I have a sense that there is a growing urgency in this body to say, God, whoever you send, we will receive and we will bless their socks off in the name of Jesus. In order to do that, an old church is going to need Young faith. An old church is going to need young faith. Dynamic faith. The kind that says, God, whatever you want, you've got. Is there a believing church this morning? Amen. What surprised me about the dream was that the staff was ready. I don't know who God's been preparing, but he's saying, you're ready. Come on, somebody. It's time to move. We're ready. Say that with me. We're ready. Send it, Lord. We're ready. Come on, somebody. Send it, Lord. We're ready. So I want to talk this morning about how to receive from God. The first thing uh, that I want to mention as a key to receiving from God is that we must approach God as our Father. Jesus taught us to pray in this way. When you pray, pray like this. Our Creator. Is that right? Our boss, our master, old man. No. How did he teach us to pray? He said, when you pray, pray like this, our Father who art in heaven. Jesus taught us that there is a key to receiving from God, and that is that God loves and responds to his children. The faith and love that you have for God is the key for receiving from God. Now, the Bible tells us about Abraham, that when he was 85 years old, I'm going to get back to 75 in a second, but when he was 85, he was starting to wonder how was God going to meet the promise that he had made to him. In Genesis chapter 15, we read that the Lord said to Abraham, he said to him, Fear not, for I am your shield and your exceedingly great reward. You know, when Genesis reads, when we read that in Genesis, we are actually reading a father and son conversation. I've never heard a CEO tell the executives, fear not, 
for I am your exceedingly great reward. No, that's something that a father says to his son or to his daughter. That is something that a daddy communicates to a child. Now we have Abraham. He is 85 years old. And yet his disposition toward God is that of a child. I've told you before about our bishop in, in Chile, in our nation, our churches in Chile. Uh, he has gone to be with the Lord now, but at the time when I knew him, he was about 85, 86 years old. And he used to refer to God when he prayed, and he would say, Papito lindo. He would, uh, in English, that would be something like, sweet papa. And I thought, an 85-year-old man refers to God as Papito lindo, a term so affectionate, so dear, so intimate. Oh, friends, that is the kind of life that God wants you and I to have with him. A nearness to God that when we pray, we don't pray like we're talking to a businessman or a counterpart, but we're talking to our father, that we're talking to our daddy, that we can say to him, Oh, Papa, I need you. I, I have to have your help. Today, when Jesus cried out in the Garden of Gethsemane, Father, if it be thy will, he used the word Abba in the Gospel of Mark. The word Abba means Daddy. Jesus, in the crisis of his life, in the most poignant moment of his ministry, when he had to choose a word with which to refer to God, he did not use any other word but this. He said, Daddy, if it is your will, let this cup pass from me. Nevertheless, not my will, but thy will be done. And he acknowledged the fatherhood of God. You see, friends, not everyone is a child of God. Some people have the erroneous doctrine that God is everyone's father. Surely God is everyone's maker. But he is not everyone's father. Because the Bible tells us in John chapter 1 that Jesus came to his own and his own received him not. But as many as received him, to them he gave the right to be called the sons of God. To be called a child of God is a given privilege and right. And it is received by faith in Jesus Christ. How many of you have been called sons of God? There is no greater privilege, no greater joy than to be called a child of the living God. To be called, uh, to be able to call God your father. Do you want to call God your father? You must call Jesus your savior. The only way to have a relationship with God the father is through Jesus Christ his son. There is no other way. Religion can't do it, friend. Good works and good deeds can't do it. Only faith in Jesus Christ can save and only that can give you a, a place of acceptance in the family of God. So simple it is to be saved and to be adopted into the family of God. The Bible speaks a lot about adoption because it refers to the fact that we have been brought in to the family of God. We have been adopted. He is our adoptive father. You know what I love about the doctrine of adoption is that basically in life, you can't choose your kids, right? I don't know any of the parents here that chose their kids. Say amen, parents. You got what you got. Right? It is what it is. You got what you got. But when a parent adopts a child... They choose. 
So when God adopted us, the Bible said, you did not choose me, but I have chosen you. God chose you. He selected you. He picked you out. Come on, somebody. You're not just anybody. You are the chosen child of God. I want to illustrate some of these points for us this morning. Because God is as our father is that reliable and trustworthy person that we have in our life to go to him at any moment and to know we're going to be able to receive from him. I have on the altar here some helium balloons and I'm going to keep a close eye on them because I know some of these young students, they like to, they like to suck on the helium and change their voices. So uh, you guys watch out for them, okay? If you hear a squirrel, they probably stole one of my balloons. But helium is a good analogy for God. Now, you and I, if you're like me, you didn't do so well in science. It wasn't your thing. So if you're a science guy, I'm sorry because I'm probably not going to get this exactly right. But I did speak to a professional about this. And basically, helium is a noble gas. Anybody remember that? No. Okay, we're all in good company. Okay. Helium is a noble gas, which means that it does not change. And it is a great analogy for God the Father because our God does not change. The Bible says that He is immutable. He is unchanging in His nature. And this gas is not only unchanging, but scientists tell us that it is extremely reliable. It is always consistent. And it is always reliable. Our God is not only unchanging, but He is incredibly reliable. I don't know what you're building your life upon, but if I were you, I would build on the reliable nature of God. I would build on the unchanging foundation of an almighty and good father. God, our God, is reliable. That means he's not moody. You know, the the Muslims, they believe that if you die uh, in the name of Allah, and you get to heaven, depending on his mood, you might get in. That's already if you died for him. So if you didn't die for him, the chances are less of getting in. I'm so glad today that when you and I get to heaven, we don't have to wonder if we're going to get a good mood or a bad mood. We can trust that we're going to have an unchanging God and a God who is perfect in his nature, perfect in his grace, perfect in his compassion, and a God who keeps his word. The best one about helium that I love is that helium cannot be broken down. Uh, we're told that it would take a big bang in order to break down the, 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 um, the, the com- composition of helium. So it is with our God. You can press him, you can push him, but you can't break him. He can be, you can shake, you can lean on him, you can cry, you can yell, but you will not break him down. He is an almighty God. Come on, somebody. Our God cannot be broken down. You and I will break down, but he doesn't break down. He is consistent in his nature. Now, the reason I brought these balloons here this morning was because they remind me of the moments in the life of Abram when he had to make a decision 
of faith. When he would come to a place of decision, the first we've seen is that he learned to see God as his father. The second thing we see about a a key that, that we have to receiving from God is that in order to receive from God, you must learn how to receive. Some of you are great at giving. Generous. You love to give. Any generous people in here? Come on, Kingsway. I know you're generous. Any generous people in here? We love to give. Don't you just love to see the smile on someone's face when you give? But, you know, I found that often generous people have a hard time receiving. Have a hard time receiving the blessings of God. And, friends, it is better to give than to receive. But in order to receive, you must learn how to receive. Jesus said, whoever does not receive the kingdom... The kingdom of God has to be received. It's something that has to be accepted as a gift. And so he uses the analogy of a child. A child knows how to receive. Because a child has no pride or arrogance about it. They're just, you give them something, they don't care how much it costs. They don't care how much it, 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 how it got there. They just know that they have been given something and they are able to receive it. Often I have found that the older we get and the more, perhaps the more generous we are, the less likely we are to know how to receive the things that God wants to give us. I remember one time as a young evangelist, I was, uh, I was not having a whole lot of money and I needed to send out my newsletter and uh, so I didn't have the money to buy the envelopes that I needed and uh, that's when you know when you can't afford envelopes you are broke right there is a there is a need for a miracle right there but I had a policy I told God if I go into the ministry I will never ask anybody for money if someone invites me to preach I'm not going to charge anything and you're going to have to handle the finances for me And God did that. So he was putting me to the test on this particular day. And since I needed envelopes, didn't have the money, well, guess where I went? I went to Walmart. Because we all like to go and see what we're going to buy, even if we don't have the money to buy it. Anybody like that? Well, there I was in the paper supply aisle. And wouldn't you know that a little old lady came up to me and she said, Brother Isaac, I wanted to give you an offering. And, you know, I thought, no, Lord. I can't receive this. This poor little old lady, you know, she needs this money. She's living on government assistance probably. I just can't take this from her. And I realized then that I wasn't so much concerned about her. I was concerned about my own pride. I was having trouble receiving from God. I was having trouble just taking what God wanted to give me. And this is the first thing I want us to, to, to note today, that when we have come to God as our Father, we must also learn how to receive. Uh, it's, it, it's different when you, when you get or obtain something because you, you work for it. You, you got a job, you, you worked hard, and you received, and you earned it, and you feel good about what you earned. But it's different when somebody gives you something that you didn't earn, something that you didn't accomplish, something that you didn't work 
work for. It's just a work of God's grace. And that, friends, is an opportunity for you and I to lay down our pride and say, God, I don't care what package it comes in. I will receive what you send to my life. I will receive the blessings that you have for my life. Come on, somebody. How many blessings have you missed out on because they came in the wrong package? And so it requires some humility to be able to receive, especially from someone who's perhaps in greater need than you are. Yet we're told that the kingdom of God must be received. How do we receive it? James chapter 1, verse 5 through 7, it tells us that we must have single-minded faith. Scripture says that if any man lacks wisdom, he should ask of God who gives to all liberally and without reproach. And yet if he asks, he should not be double-minded. Because a double-minded man should not expect to receive anything from God. Think about that. God will not allow double-minded people to receive the things that they are asking for. And often we are double-minded in our approach to faith. And we're double-minded in the way that we come to God. I believe, I don't believe. I trust, I don't trust. And I want to use these balloons this morning as an analogy for us. Because, you see, it's just what God is asking us to do is to let go and let dad. But often when we let go and we're double-minded, this is what we do. Say, God, I'll give you that much. Okay, God, I'll give you a little more. I'll give you a little more. But then I get worried and I reel it back in. That's what it means to be double-minded. Okay, I trust you. You got it. You got it. Whatever you want, you can have. It's all yours. Okay, no, I need it back. And God says, if you're double-minded, don't expect to receive anything from me. We come to church. Pastor preached a great sermon today. My faith is up. Tuesday morning, the bills are on the desk. Come on, I had a great devotional time this morning. I really believe God. I'm trusting him. God is in control. I'm so excited. This is going to be a great year. 2017 is going to be my year. Wrong guy gets elected. Oh, my goodness. Well, that would have happened either way, right? And we reel it back in. I see some of you spiritually, you're driving with a balloon hanging out of the back of your car. (laughs) I'm trusting God. I have the right t-shirt on. I have a bumper sticker, but I haven't let go. I haven't trusted God with this thing. There it is. All right. It's just, it's safe. As long as I can see it. This guy ought to never expect to receive anything from God. 
Because he wants to be safe. She wants to be sure. Wants to be secure. And maybe today, you're, you're struggling with that. But the Bible tells us about Abraham that when he saw the deadness of his, of his wife's womb, and he saw even the deadness of Sarah's, of, of his own body, that he did not waver in unbelief. This is what Abraham did. He said, you know what, God? You said you're going to give me a child. And I don't know how you're going to do it. I don't know how you're going to do this, but I trust you. I trust you. Friends, I can't even see it now, but God can. I don't know what God's going to do, but God can. The scripture said the Lord came to Abram and said, leave the place of your family, your relatives, and go to the land that I will show you. What land? You'll know when you get there. How many of you would take a vacation like that? Let's get in the car. Where are we going? We'll know when we get there. I don't want to go on vacation with your family. Abraham gets one instruction. Get up and go. Where? You'll know when you get there. And he has a decision to make. Do I leave this place of security? This place that Sarah and I have built. And do I trust God with it? I don't know where we're going, Sarah. Can you imagine Abraham goes into the house and says, Sarah, I spoke to the Lord. You did, honey. That's so great. What did he tell you? He said, pack your bags. We're leaving. Where are we going? I don't know. What do you mean you don't know? He didn't tell me. All he told me is that I would know when I got there. Sarah was like this. But Abraham knew I can trust him. I believe God. And he got up and he left. And you know, he didn't leave perfectly. He left with some people that should have stayed behind. But at least he left. You see, some of you haven't gotten to your promised land because you haven't left Egypt yet. You haven't left Ur of the Chaldees yet. You haven't left behind that thing that you feel as a security. And God is telling you, if you're going to learn how to receive, you're going to have to let go of the thing that you're comfortable with. You're going to have to let go of the thing that you like to control, that thing that you like to say, this is, I'm, I'm safe here. Abraham got up and he left. And when he left, he found that God was going with him and that God was providing for him and supplying his needs. And he, he made some wrong turns and he took some detours and he got off track. But he was at least walking in the direction of faith. Friends, if you're going to fail, fail in the direction of obedience. Fail in the direction of faith in God. 
To say, God, I don't know how you're going to do this, but I trust you with it. And then the scripture tells us that another time the Lord comes to him. Now Isaac, his son, has grown and he has become, he has become a young man. And the Lord again comes to Abraham and he says to him, Give me your son, your only son, the one you love. Offer him up to me. And Abraham has to come again to that decision point. Am I going to let go and let dad? What is it you're holding on to today? Maybe it's that rebellious child. That lost son or daughter. You haven't been able to let go and just let God handle it. You've been coddling them. And every time they get in trouble, you go and pull them out of the pigsty that they got into. And maybe God is saying to you today, let them sit there a little while. I'm trying to get their attention. Give me your son, your only son, the one you love. God was so emphatic about wanting Isaac on this decision or would ride the destiny of the nation that God had promised to Abraham. And beyond that, God was going to bring Christ through Isaac. And so giving up Isaac was not all that easy. But you see, here's what I need you to learn today. That sometimes we have to let our dream die so that it can become God's dream instead. As long as Isaac was Abraham's, as long as Isaac belonged to Abraham and Sarah, he was not God's seed. He was not going to be able to be the man that God would bring up a nation through because it would be, it would be the, the boast of Abraham and Sarah. Abraham had to lay him on the altar so that in his heart he would know this boy belongs to God. This dream belongs to God. Oh, I have a lot of dreams in my life and some of them I have had to watch die and I have had to watch them go out because I know that I have trusted in a God who is able to do exceedingly more and abundantly above all that I could ask or even imagine. Tell your neighbor, let go and let dad. Try that again. Let go and let dad. One last key. Jesus said, whoever receives, whoever does not receive the kingdom of God as a what? As a child will not enter it at all. You have to be a child of God. Relating to God as your father, you have to learn how to receive with single-minded faith. And you have to have that simple quality of childlike faith. What is childlike faith like? When you promise a child something, they take it for granted. It's true. I remember one day I was standing at the door of the church like I do on Sunday after church. A little boy came up and I greeted him. I said, how are you, my friend? And he didn't even shake my hand. He turned around and he looked at his mama. He said, Mama, did you know that Pastor Isaac is my friend? 
took it for granted that I was his friend. That is the childlikeness that our faith must have. You can be an old man, but you need to have young faith. You can be an old church, but we need to have young faith. We need to have that kind of faith that simply says, if God said it, God will do it. I believe God. I trust God. I have confidence in God. That's the kind of faith that Abraham had. That kind that said, I don't understand it. I don't get it. But I trust my father. And with that childlike faith and confidence in God, we are able to receive what God has promised to us. Friends, it will not always come the way you want it. It will not always come the, the time that you want it. It may not always come in the, in the direction from which you expected it. But you let go and let dad do his thing. He will accomplish his purpose in your life. You can trust him. You can take him at his word. You can believe him. And when you learn to let go and simply trust him. When you leave, when you let one of these balloons go into the sky, God only knows where he's taking it. But just remember that it's being directed by helium. It's being directed by the hand of an almighty God that cannot change, that cannot be broken down, that cannot be put under pressure. It is going to be his doing and it's going to bring about his glory. Our Father who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come. Thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. God, have it your way. Have it your way. And in that surrender comes such freedom, comes such confidence, such peace. I believe this morning that God is calling you to possess by faith the kingdom of God. He wants to bring into your life heaven on earth. He wants you to know the peace of heaven And the joy of heaven. He wants you to know the confidence that comes with being a child of God. He wants you to call upon God as your father. To receive from him whatever he has for you. To let go and trust him with those things you can't control. God knows. He knows more than you know. He can do more than you can do. Trust him. Believe him. You'll see his glory and his hand at work in your life. Would you stand with me this morning?